The Trek Files, Season 6, Episode 14, Excerpts from a Letter Regarding Lincoln Enterprises, Circa 1975. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Hey, Star Trek fans, Star Trek historians, hey, all you guys who are, yes, Trekophiles spelled with an F. We have got a really special show today and one that, you know what, I don't know if this gets discussed a lot across the Star Trek etherscape. So I'm really glad you're with us today. Hey, if you're a veteran of the show, you know what to do. But if you're listening to us for the first time, if you've just caught us, we're the only podcast with paperwork. And I mean that in a good way. <laughs> Check us out at our site, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. You can find us many places, but that's the place where you get the documents of the week. I really want you to find this, uh, this, this piece of paper that we've digitized this week. It's from Gene's Files. It's all about toys and merchandising and this unique, well, go read it yourself. Here's an audio excerpt, but hang on because I'll be right back with uh, this week's guest who has more than a couple of things to say about this very topic. So hang on and take a listen. Fans who can be encouraged to put bumper stickers on their family cars, wear buttons or decals in every schoolyard in the country, establish clubs and fanzines, write letters to the network, to local TV columnists, and so on. It adds up to word-of-mouth promotion, plus much more. Lincoln's term for this is peer group promotion. Hey, yes, Trekophiles. How about, uh, you know, we dive into production, we dive into Gene's career. How about we dive into a little fan audience psychology this week? <laughs> Coming from the hand of no one better than Gene Roddenberry to talk about it. And remember, we've dated this to about 1975. Um, th remember that Star Wars was still two years away, kiddos. So this whole idea of what licensing is about, what merchandise, of course, we've had lunchboxes, we've had action figures for years. The toys and dolls, you know, bad Halloween costumes have been around for years, but it's safe to say that first Star Trek took that to a new level before the world exploded with Star Wars and everything after that. And here's Gene in 1975 talking about it. And when I found this, this particular letter, in Gene's files, I immediately thought of no one I wanted to talk about this whole topic with and, and this pioneering way of looking at it than my old buddy, my old boss, my good friend, the founder of the one-time Star Trek official fan club. He's been around fandom and, and, and fans for years because he is one, and he's a great businessman and creative genius. My old buddy Dan Madsen is back with us today. Dan, thank you so much for joining us again, and, and I can't wait to talk about this with you. Hey, thanks, Larry. It's good to be back with you again. Well, what did you think? I mean, was I right? Was my instinct right on? Did this, did this, was this amazing to think about not only Gene talking about this, but talking about it at a time when a lot of people didn't get this connection or what was, absolutely. What, what the potential yeah, was? No, yeah, absolutely. No, Gene got it. He definitely got it. And he got it years before, you know, George Lucas took off with it in the Star Wars world. But, um, uh, you know, it's interesting that Gene, uh, you know, initially he 
he saw the, the, the ability to um, perpetuate the passion of the fans with merchandising and um, and product, um, everything from you know the bumper stickers being put on the the the, the cars and you know promoting his show. Um, he he got it from the very beginning, and uh, I, you know he was a, a you know a genius in so many ways. But a lot of people don't realize that he had a, a lot of great insight in in this aspect of promoting Star Trek as well. Well, there's a couple of things that come up. One one is, and you know it's been. It's been talked about and discussed. I'm sure the academics get into it, not just Star Trek, but everything beyond fandom itself. And, and you could even apply that back to, you know, actors, movie stars, musicians, you know, bands and singers. We, we all know them over the years. But the idea that it was a property, you know, that it was a series is itself and more than just, you know, a buzz time, two or three hot years and then it fades away, which is what everybody expected to happen to Star Trek even after they realized that it was hot after it was canceled and yet that it didn't go away. And in fact, the curve just went up and up and up. And, and there is a little bit of a, uh, you know, there's a line here between being in wonder at that and, and being curious about it and thinking, wow, there's all the positivism of Star Trek. That's amazing. And then there is kind of a crass side and Gene kind of touches on it here. It's like, well, how do you feel, you know, commercialism and capitalism and even, he kind of kids about it here, as did uh, David Goodman's episode on Futurama. You know, there's even like a little bit of a culthood, maybe about how, how how does all that strike you? Because it is a it is a funny balance at times, especially uh, fifty five years of Star Trek. We can look at it now, even you know, so far people, even beyond people, after Star after Gene wrote this letter. People, people in the beginning when I first started the 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 official Star Trek fan club, <clears throat> you know, I, I, you know, newspaper reporters and people would um, call me and talk to me about any sort of subject on Star Trek. And I, I would get asked many times, you know, is this, do you consider this a cult? I mean, people, you know, live, breathe and eat, you know, Star Trek and they, they worship Spock and everything, you know, and um, you know, I never thought of it as a cult, but it had, you know, um, there's the passion behind it that mm -hmm. makes people um i don't know act in cult-like ways maybe i don't <laughs> know i mean you know i mean when you when you you know put up pictures all over your walls of your home that are of these characters and you know you you live breathe and eat you know everything that they've done and said um and uh, the philosophy of the show is your philosophy of life um but um, I, I still remember having one interview with Gene and I was sitting there in his office and I remember asking him about the cult thing. And he kind of giggled and laughed and said, well, you know, a cult is generally a negative thing. He says, Star Trek is not negative. He says, you know, Star Trek um, is, is something that is positive, is a positive influence in people's lives. And he says, you know, and, and is looking towards an optimistic future. And he and I still remember him saying, and he said this at, at another time to me too, but he said, you know, he said he, he took great joy in being able to create a show that 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 gives people such optimism and such hope for the future and gives them something to grab onto in their lives that maybe they didn't have. And mm -hmm. he says, and he says, and they paid me to do this on top of that. So he said, <laughs> you know, it's the best of both worlds. He says, I, I'm just delighted that people find it, that, that they're that passionate about it. 
Um, but yeah, you know, and, and Gene understood the merchandising of the show. And that's where, you know, Lincoln Enterprises came in. Well, I was going to say, you know, we, everybody talks about George Lucas being the genius, mm-hmm. if nothing else, because he got his contract written where he got a piece of, you know, part of that. Oh, yeah. But the, but the, but the idea, because, you know, as with, you know, getting his financing for the first movie, for the first Star Wars, the idea of the merchandising, Star Trek had blown up here, to coin a phrase, for two, three, four, five years, increasingly so, about the time he wrote this letter, and George was able, George Lucas was able to look at that and, you know, have an idea, as as did, you know, who go down the list, Hasbro and and all the licensees and, and, and Fox, too. They knew that if the movie was big, that the toys and the sales and all that would follow. So that part wasn't totally... Uh, you know, a, a brainstorm of George's that 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 right. Star Trek was already leading the way, and sometimes that gets yeah. that gets forgotten about. But I, I, what I love here is is Gene. You know, this is the '70s, and if we date this to '75, Gene is already into his. I got to pay my mortgage with these college <laughs> tours, but along yep. the way, how about I kind of feather my? I, what I love here is every paragraph in this letter is is like a little mini lesson. But in the beginning, he's even talking about he's taking. He's saying, you know what? I knew <laughs> I'm in I'm scrambling. I'm mad about my lieutenant getting canceled because of the racism show. And I'm scrambling to be a producer and not just a, a you know, a, a one off, you know, part time writer, uh, a, a third party writer, freelancer. But I knew that if I could just latch onto that sci fi horror fantasy uh, audience, that we could come up with something like this, that we'd have word of mouth publicity. And that's a special base of people even though it was a tiny minority then compared to today. And he's even citing Edgar at the time. What are the big fan bases that existed then? The Edgar Rice Burroughs, you know, the Tarzan right. and Barsu. Uh, the, Hob- the Hobbit craze. I love that because Lord of the Rings yeah. wasn't even, a, you know, rec- Stranger in a Strange Land, Heinlein, Cult, the sci-fi fan, you know, fanzines. That's all that there was of the fan movement. But even here, he's talking about it. Yeah. No, that really he, strikes he, me reading this. Yeah, It is. And actually, you know, when I looked at that document, I was the same way, Larry. It, it struck me in the same way that, you know, he was pointing out the things that were happening around that time, you know, and fanzines were something that uh, I so very clearly remember collecting. I had a whole, you know, I, I would send away for uh, fanzines that I had read about in oh, other really? things. Okay. Yeah. Fiction? I had a whole collection of fanzines in the very beginning. And, you know, B. Joe's um, Star Trek Concordance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can remember, you know, I, I, I sent away for uh, that original version, the blue cover version, you know. Right. And oh my God, I, you know, the day that came in the mail, I was just so elated to get that. And I just devoured that thing. But, you know, I mean, I used to order stuff from Lincoln Enterprises as well. I'd get pictures and bumper stickers and I had all kinds of stuff. I was I was probably one of their best customers back in the day. I, I, we should say, remind everybody, a lot of you have heard our earlier episodes. We've talked to B. Joe and John about Lincoln, but Lincoln was Gene's kind of groundbreaking. Uh, you could look at that crassly and say, well, here's Gene and Majel trying to make a buck off their dead show, right? While they're scrambling yeah. around trying to put some other projects together. But it was a two-way street. Fans wanted the stuff, and no one else was going to give it to them. And even the studio didn't really care. And Gene's able to put a deal together, you know. And and in their model, hey, if we can mail it flat, you know, without a lot of postage involved. So yeah, they weren't selling, you know, model kits and big, you know, costumes and things. But they would sell you the pattern to a costume. They would sell you the patches and the rag braid or scripts. And And that brought great joy to people and great joy to me. You know, I mean, when I it was a desert. 
yeah, it was, there was nothing out there. There was, was nothing no, else, like, right. Yeah, there was nothing else. So to get something that you could use or, or present to show your passion for Star Trek, it, it, it was an extension of your love for Star Trek. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was furiously looking for anything that I could find that, um, I, you know, I could display my, my love for Star Trek, whether it be in my own bedroom or whether it be, you know, on my, my folders, my books, whatever, when I'd go out somewhere. Um, and I remember one of the first products I ever bought when, after I first became, um, enamored with Star Trek was those, the Mego, remember the Mego action figures? Oh yes. Yes. I had Kirk and Spock and the Klingon. And I mean, man, I must've <laughs> played with those forever, Larry. They were, they were like my, they were like the uh, Holy grail of, of everything I owned at the time. Well, and see that attitude that there's that series, the toys that made us did a Star Trek toy series yeah. and talked to Mr. Mego and, and yeah, and really hit a nerve, but that's it. Even though there wasn't yeah. a, there never was an Alexander action figure, sadly. Yeah, which I'm still upset about. Well, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe in the current realm, there's all the retro toys are coming back. There's so many reissues yeah, happening. But one. but that, that points up this thing about, um, you know, is all that feeding the fan passion and the goodness and the light and what the greater good of Star Trek is. And, you know, and you just as soon have Gene and Majel harnessing that commercialism and making some, you know, you could say making a buck off of it or having some income from their own creation, they they you know, rather they than other, and not that yeah. anybody else can't. And there were some very quickly others, you know, like we've talked about Federation Trading Post and right, is right. one, uh, several that, uh, you know, they, they were selling geeky stuff anyway. They were basically convention dealers, what they did between conventions. Yeah. You know, and I had a brick remember going to my first convention here in Denver, Colorado, um, as Starcon. And I can remember walking in the dealer's room and I felt like I had died and gone to heaven. I mean, I'm looking around and there's dealers with, you know, I used to collect eight by 10 Star Trek color photos. And I mean, I, I, I didn't have a big enough budget to buy every one of them there, but there was pictures everywhere. And there were the action figures, there were model kits, there were, you know, and I, I just thought I, uh, I, I, you know, to, to be able to find that stuff because there was no internet then you couldn't order stuff off the internet. Um, and you know, there are only so many stores you could go to. So between conventions and Lincoln enterprises and Federation trading posts and things like that. I mean, that's where I was able to get some of this stuff to, to decorate my room essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and, you know, live in my world of star Trek with it all around me. Um, it, you know, when I couldn't watch the reruns cause there was no such thing as VCRs and DVDs and such, you know, I had all of this all around me in my room that allowed me to, um, to bathe in my Star Trek passion. Yeah. Well, and then you go to, to wrap, you know, wrap up his letter. He's talking about, you know, it's not just the kids. There's the housewife uh, that puts out the bumper sticker. There are the Caltech students. He's going on about all those potential niches. And basically, you, you think, what's it, what is this letter about? It sounds like he's trying to pitch other people in the industry. He's trying yeah. to pitch other people on, on letting Lincoln be the model that can turn their property. You know, he's, he's and, you know, if you remember the, the old Lincoln Enterprise catalogs, there were, there were Kung Fu 
Um, oh yeah, other he had stuff other. He had a few parts. other. It's almost sounds like this is a setup to, for Lincoln to become. Yeah. Like, put your business hat on here, Dan. It sounds yeah. like he's uh, trying to 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 grow Lincoln as a hub of beyond just Star Trek merchandise. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. I think it was. I think he saw the potential to do that with other shows as well. And you know, one thing you were just saying that was interesting about the, um, you know, housewives and stuff. My science teacher in junior high was a huge Star Trek fan. And I happened to come into her class and on the back wall, she had pictures of Kirk and Spock. I knew immediately I love this woman. Um, and <laughs> I, I got to know her and we would talk Star Trek all the time after class. And so one day she came over to my house with my mom and dad there and she brought her Star Trek. She had just bought her Mego action figure Star Trek bridge set and she was wanting to see if I'd help her put it together. So here's my science teacher from middle school coming over to my house. I put together her Mego action figure, um, Star Trek uh, bridge set, transporter set. I don't remember which one it was now. But And then we sat there and we must have talked Star Trek for two hours. And this was after school that day. And uh, and it, so it's just amazing. You know, and Gene was right. You know, it's kids, but it's also housewives and school teachers and it was uh, it, it was the phenomenon of its time, and it still is today. And that was the seed of really how the geeks won. <laughs> because in America, all you have to do is tie the almighty dollar to it, and suddenly it, everyone's a fan. Yeah, amen. Uh, you you know. got it. Listen, this is a topic that I, I... We haven't even got to your personal story here, <laughs> talking about fandom and the passion of Trek and and merchandise and collectibles and the money into things too. And that's a big part of your story. And I, can you come back one more time? I, I've got to, Absolutely. I want to, I totally want to get the origins of the, the uh, fan club out for folks and let you talk about that. Can we do that? I would love, I would love to do that. And I will be back anytime you ask me. To be. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that then. You got it. Okay. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Hey, all of our documents and your chance to comment are available on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47. That's me at larrynemachek.com. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.